Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Wayne Kimmel, Managing Partner of 76 Capital. We're going to talk all about investments in esports, where the revenue is coming from, where the investment opportunities are, traditional sports versus esports, and also some insights onto how entrepreneurs can get Wayne's attention. Join me in talking to Wayne. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, Wayne Kimmel, managing partner of 76 Capital. Thank you so so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh man, it's so great to be here, John. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. You know, we've had over 100 guests to date, and we haven't had anybody who's really been able to speak into the investment side at a very deep level. And so um, having had a number of conversations with you, known you for a few years, and then just watching what you and the team are doing, I'm super excited to dig into your career path, what 76 Capital is doing, and where you're seeing the market going. So to start us off, um, share with our audience, what is 76 Capital? What are your goals there? So at 76 Capital, my partners and I are investors in the entrepreneurs who are creating the next, next thing in the sports industry. So that's everything from what's happening from within the sports betting industry, the gaming world, esports, and just anything that has to do with sports and tech. Uh, we want to be those seed investors um, to back those entrepreneurs to help them really build their business to the next level. Interesting. And so I know with you know different types of investors, um, you're coming typically coming in at different levels. Is there a certain point that you specialize in where you want, really want to come in with a with a client? Absolutely. I mean, at 76 Capital, we, we traditionally want to be one of the first investors in a company. We want to be there with those entrepreneurs, with those individuals who are truly trying to do something new and innovative and help them from the very beginning as they as they start their journey. So sometimes that you hear things like pre-seed or seed or early stage. We just we want to be that really, really early money into those companies, help them grow sit on their boards and provide them anything and everything that, that we can to help them be successful. Interesting. And so um, what are some of the parameters? I know you know there's a lot of startups, especially nowadays, who are looking for investment. I know I've sent you a few people over to you to say, hey, you know, is this a fit? Is this not? For those uh, entrepreneurs who are listening, can you help us understand, how do I understand if I'm a great fit um, to apply for an investment with 76 Capital? So for us, I mean, it, it really comes down, you know, the, the initial piece of everything that we do comes down to the individual that, we, that we're going to be investing in, that, that entrepreneur, those two co-founders or whatever, whatever it is. And, and we look for certain traits, right? I mean, you know, typically, you know, it's we all entrepreneurs, I'll, I'll, I'll speak at, you know, kind of as what everyone kind of looks for and then what we look for. So, you know, everyone really wants an entrepreneur that's, you know, that's really passionate about what they're doing. You know, they're, they have that incredible desire and drive and, and persistence that, you know, no matter what happens, they get knocked down, they get told no, um, they're going to they're gonna keep moving forward. And that's really, really important uh, for us when we look at uh, entrepreneurs. But on top of all that, we really look for entrepreneurs that are really smart, that really, that have, are, are really smart people, and it doesn't mean book smart. It means they're smart about what they're going after and what they're going to go do. And then we want to work with entrepreneurs also that are that are nice people, that are good yeah. people, people that we want to actually have a long-term relationship with, someone that we're going to you know, spend a lot of time with over, over the years. And quite frankly, many times... Um, you know, everything's not going to be rosy all the time. There may be, you know, may, there may be situations where we're going to have to have really tough conversations. There are going to be times when we have to think about, you know, uh, you know, in some cases, really great things, thinking about, you know, growing the business, raising more money, merging with another company or buying another company or doing really fun stuff like that. But then there's other situations where it's like, man, we're going to have to let some people go. This is not a really fun time, you know, so there you really want to find someone that you can develop a good relationship with um, because as very early stage investors in these companies, 
we get to know the entrepreneurs, you know, extremely intimately. And um, that's so it's important for that. And then the, the last piece for us or the really other big thing is like we want to get behind entrepreneurs and, and, and companies that can do really big things, you know, traditionally like like game changing things like change the world type opportunities, really, really doing things that will will, will be will be big. Um, because we're we're very early stage investors, startup investors, you know, we have that opportunity to really swing for the fences and 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 really try to try to do something that's completely new. You know, if someone, you know, one of the things that some people will ask me, you know, they'll they'll ask me about a company and they're like, man, I, I don't understand this, what what they're really doing. Mm-hmm. And I'll say exactly. That's what we're looking for. We're looking to invest in companies that people don't fully understand because if they fully understand and fully grasp what they're doing at this moment, then it's true. It's not something that's innovative. It's not the next, next thing. It's not something that in two, three years as they build this business, everyone else is like, oh yeah, of course. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to put a piece of glass in my pocket and and sit down on it. Like, (laughs) like that. I mean, when you think about the iPhone, right? I mean, it's a piece of glass. You're, you're, mom said don't sit on glass right or don't don't sit on something like that if you sit on glass it could break but what do we all do we all sit on iphones today so like that was something that new it's like you know people one of my favorites is is like you think about like the like uber right you know you were taught as a kid don't get in cars with strangers but what's uber what's lyft you're getting you're actually you're actually ordering a car from a stranger to get into (laughs) Then take me somewhere, stranger. As long as they don't have ice cream, that's that's my red flag. If they offer me ice cream, I'm not getting that Uber. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, yes, I'm tracking. <laughs> the DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. Uh, what I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. Eyeshaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my Eyeshaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for Eyeshaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC drop branded ice shaker at icehaker.com forward slash DLC drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC drop. <laughs> so anyway, these are the types of things for us when we look at opportunities across the sports industry. Um, you know, we really want to find the, those entrepreneurs that are are, are, are pushing the limits, um, and 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 we hopefully can both together believe that we can achieve, you know, in many cases, uh, the impossible together. Wonderful. So I'm hearing you. So you're getting in early. You're looking for innovative entrepreneurs, and technologies, things of that nature. How do you go about balancing that risk of you know, I'm, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing, okay, I don't understand it, but how do I understand it enough to believe that it's worth, uh, it, there's a good chance I'm going to get a return on it? Well, I think it's important for us as as the investors in the company to really, you know, understand it and and dig in with the, with the entrepreneur to be able to um, understand what they're really going to go do. What I was referring to earlier is that some people may not, you know, others may not have spent the time really are sort of thinking about what potentially could happen in the next couple of years. So for us, it's really important to be on the same page as, as the entrepreneur. Uh, we're, we're there with them. I, we always talk about, you know, my partner, Chad and I, we always say like when an entrepreneur becomes part of the 76 Capital family. When we invest in that company, we jump on their side of the table. We're partners with them. We're arm in arm. You know, all our contacts are their contacts. You know, any of our relationships are their relationships moving forward. So we we try to do everything we can to help those entrepreneurs be successful in whatever they're trying to go do. That's really interesting. Um, you so as a investor you're obviously you're you're injecting capital into a business what are some of the other services or some of the other benefits for somebody to get in with you 
Yeah, I think, you know, all part of it is, is, you know, our understanding of the of the global sports industry um, and the relationships that we have across the industry, uh, whether that's with teams, leagues, brands, publishers, you know, we, you know, f- to be able to help the entrepreneurs that we get behind and give them um, a warm introduction into a lot of those situations. Also, at the same time, we're able to help our entrepreneurs with the experience that we have. I've been in the venture capital business now for 23 years, investing in startups, really knowing sort of the how things, you know, there's, as I said earlier, kind of there's the ups and downs of, of building a company. There are going to be times when everything's great and everything right. seems like you're going right to the moon. Um, you know, you say to the moon now, I guess that you got to be careful with the whole FTX thing. Right. So, um, but like there are times, right. Where it's like, man, this, this, everything's good. Um, but then there are going to be times when things get rough and, and we also, you know, by being able to develop a really great relationship with the, with the co-founders, the entrepreneurs behind the business, we're able to coach them, be their friend, Mm -hmm. just be a sounding board for them, talk to them at 11 o'clock at night when they just had this really rough day and they're like, they come home and their head hurts and they're like, man, I just need to talk to somebody to, you know, be able to help me. Or it could be talking to them. It could be, you know, we have, we, we have Slack channels, you know, direct with all of our companies. We have back and forth conversations all the time with them. Um, They could, you know, text us, email, whatever it is, but like we constant converse, you know, um, con- connections and, and conversations back and forth are so important um, so that we can we can do the best that we can to help them um, think about things. And again, sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're negative. Sometimes it's like, listen, I just met this amazing new person. I want to hire this person. It's above budget that we planned. Yeah. And we talk about it. And we, we talk about these opportunities. We talk about, you know, you, you won't believe this. I just got this amazing new client. Like we love where we just got this awesome new customer. We just brought in another million dollars from another investor, or we just got this customer and they're, they're paying us a million dollars to do X, Y, Z. Like those are the most exciting things to happen. And uh, I love it, man. I, I love, I love every day of it, you know, and, and, and hopefully it's, it's mostly positive news, but you, know, you never know, but you're, you gotta just be there. Um, you know, for us, it's, it's about being there uh, for for the entrepreneurs and helping them build a, a successful business. Yeah, you know, you talk about um, the network, uh, understanding the landscape, um, having relationships in sports and esports, technology, etc. Um, I'm really interested to dig in a little bit with you of some of the differences with traditional and esports. I think we're seeing a lot of things happen right now where. Uh, traditional sports models are being applied to esports and i think in some ways that's very relevant in some ways it's not as relevant um what are some of the differences from your perspective as an investor traditional sports versus esports and then let's kind of take it from there you know one of one of the things that i actually um i I really one of the things i've learned i guess over the last several years is a lot of the esports and gaming entrepreneurs are tremendous physical athletes as well. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the things that's really been a, a been a surprise, I guess. You know, f- for me, um, where I use you know John Fazio as an example, the CEO of Nerd Street Gamers. He was a semi-pro soccer player, oh, wow. tremendous athlete. You know, mate, incredible competitor. Um, the guy, you know, Chris and Chris, I call them the guys at, at, at challenger, you know, those guys both, you know, are competitive athletes and, 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 and that, and that's, that's something that I think is, is, is a really important thing. And it's not only just on esports. a lot of the sports related companies, a lot of the companies that I've invested over the years that were outside of the sports industry prior to six years ago. Um, a lot of the a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs were real competitors, uh, whether that was, you know, playing a video game or playing, a, a you know, a, a, a game, you know, basketball, football, you know, soccer, whatever it is. Those are those those types of, you know, traits as a as a competitor are really, really valuable. So to me, I mean, I think what I've learned is that there's not a lot of difference behind the types of entrepreneurs because look, we all want to win whatever that game is we want to win the game that we're playing we want to game win that game that we're 
We're, we're competing in, in the business world. We want to win that meeting. We want to win that client. Um, we're all competitive. We're all, we all want to be successful. We all want to, you know, take our business from one level to, to hopefully, you know, a much higher level. So for me, that's, that's been a really, that's something that I've learned is, is not different, um, you know, from a, a traditional sports, you know, tech sort of company and, and a, and an esports company, you know, the competitive drive of the, of the entrepreneurs, the way, you know, how, um, you know, the, the way the, the entrepreneurs think mm-hmm. and, and just the, the level of, you know, intellect is, you know, it, it's, you just got to look, you got to be smart. You got to be aggressive. You got to be someone that, you know, and you got to be, you got to be resilient. I think that's one of the things I, I mentioned earlier. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons we have a number of our, you know, we have a number of athletes that are involved with us at 76 Capital and what we call is our athlete venture group. And one of the lessons that a lot of the athletes, um, you know, you know, ex, you know, not only just, I, I wouldn't want to use the word teach, but in many kids, I'll, I'll use that anyway. But one of the things that they talk about is the fact that, you know, especially like a football player. And I'll, I'll use, you know, a, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who is, is not who's someone who is an investor in Nerd Street Gamers with us. He's also involved with us at 76 and, you know, he just retired. He was an NFL wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, now on the NFL network, but a big gamer. And he used to want to, he used to play Apex um, with John after Monday night football games. I mean, they would play together. I mean, it was just, a, it was, it was great. But one of the things that he would always talk about is like this idea that when he got knocked down, he just popped back up. Yeah. And he would say, that, you know, he's like, you know, sometimes I got hit so hard by that safety and man, that hurt. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I knew I had to get back up and keep and play again. And it's the same thing in business where, you know, you're going to have a situation where something's not going to go your way. You may not have the success that you had hoped in that meeting or in that negotiation or whatever. But you know what? You get back up, you move forward and you go at it again. And you look at it like that. And you don't. You don't cry about it. You don't get upset over it. You just keep moving forward. And I think that's one of the things that um, this translates across any sort of entrepreneur, no matter no matter what they're doing. But to hear it from some of some superstar athletes is really an amazing thing. And it's one of the things that we we try to do with a lot of our CEOs and our companies at Seventy Six Capital. That's that's really cool. I, I can relate to that from my skateboarding background, and I've had a number of guests on the show. And um, I just heard a, a podcast with Rob Deerdick um, from Ridiculousness, Rob and Big Fantasy Factory, MTV star, and former pro skater. He's talking about the exact same thing: is that you know what we do for fun? We fall on concrete for fun. We get back up. You know, we might put hours and hours of work into that that three seconds of catching the trick and rolling away. And it's it's true with traditional sports as well. Um, one one thing that I see that is also consistent skateboarding and esports is the entrepreneurial nature. And so in skateboarding, typically uh, the best skater on a team gains popularity, branches off, starts his own company, and then it happens again and again. We see this in esports as well. Nade Shot's a perfect example where, you know, Optic, Nade Shot, you know, comes up as a, a star on the team, branches off as an, on his own, uh, starts 100 Thieves. I'm sure it'll happen again where, you know, one of his top guys is going to branch off. And then when you couple, so you have that entrepreneurial nature of the industry, and then you have just a comfort with technology too, because you have everybody in this industry has been playing games their whole life. They've been hooking up their Xbox or their Playstations when they go over to their friend's house or, or helping to produce a LAN party. Have you seen that assist in the amount of startups or type of startups in the esports market? It's a really interesting point. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, today, uh, look, young people, I can now say that I'm now that I'm, gosh, it's crazy. 52 years old, man, John, it's crazy, but sounds young to me. Like, it's a young 52. Young. 52. I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel still like I'm, I'm young and I, and I, I got two kids in college, man. It's crazy. But like, but what I, you know, what I, what I see, you know, the, you know, they used to be tech skills. Like our parents used to look at us as like, oh yeah, go fix that VCR or go fix that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, what something's messed up with, you know, some kind of technology in the house. Can you go set up that, you know, that TV or this internet thing's messed up? Go do that. 
Now, these are just everyday life skills. These are things that we all should just, we kind of know all of this stuff now. Um, but I believe, I think what you're, what you're saying is, is and, and, I, and I agree with you, is that a lot of the um, esports entrepreneurs have, certainly are able to take this to a whole nother level. Uh, because of what you were describing is, you know, you're, you're able to sort of, as you said, sort of set up your own land party, but at the same time, but if you want to be able to do that at the highest of levels, and that's one of the, one of the incredible things that we've, we, we've learned and, and, and gotten to do so, work so closely with the team at, at Nerd Street with that is really to sort of take it to a professional level mm-hmm. as if you're playing, you know, at the highest of levels. That's really hard to do, um, but but again, there's but the the tendencies and the and and, and the fact that it, it's this isn't it, it's it, it's something that we can we it's it's an easier thing for a lot of the people you know a lot of our employees at at Nerd Street and a lot of the team members because again as you said it's it's something that they've done their whole life so I think that's a it's an interesting interesting point um, to to look at um, but at the same time I really think that just in general today. Everything that's in no matter what industry it is, it has has somehow been infused with tech. And I think that the world of sports is one of those few industries that it's still hasn't 100 percent come to the world of sports, the traditional world. And then at the same time, the esports and gaming world has all this tech, but I don't think the rest of the world knows all about it yet. I know the rest of the world doesn't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. There, you know, so many things, I mean, you know, the simple, obvious things that we've been saying for so many years, how many young people are playing games right. in, you know, high school on down. The fact that you can, I mean, these are such obvious things to your audience and to you, but like the fact that you can get a scholarship and play in college, these are things that still today, the average person does not know these things. So it's up to us to consistently talk about this and, and share it. Um, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I look at what, um, you know, some of our companies are doing to to promote this, to enable um, you know, young people to be able to level up and continuing to level up and level up and play from the high school level to the college to pro to, you know, to really be and to make money in this industry. Like, I think that yeah. that's something that people are really, really surprised about. And then, you know, now we're we're super excited about like what we're doing with with Challenger, where you can play you know, and challenge other people and and play for for cash, whether that's CSGO, Warzone, Fortnite, and 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 like and and do it super seamlessly and do it really, really easily, right? These are the types of things that um you know we're we're so excited about the the future of gaming. Um and I think it's you know there's you know this look as we're taping this it's December of of 2022 and there are articles out there esports is in trouble people aren't saying esports anymore blah 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 mm. you know look i i think they're wrong i think they're wrong the gaming and and it is just people are it's just getting going yeah. i mean i think yeah. that that's the part you know there's there's been a there was a there was sort of this wave over the last several years that 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 may have had some issues but this is not going away people are still gaming people want to compete the the world of competitive gaming is not going away um if anything i think it's going to get better and 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 may change and and then there's a lot of reasons i can go into a lot of things a lot of reasons why i believe this but i mean we're we're at a really interesting point right now um, within the world of esports, yeah, I think what we saw a number of years ago um, was, let's say, five years ish ago, is all these brands and the agencies that supported them, you know, realized that uh, watching traditional television was declining, participating in traditional sports was declining, and then they saw video games and they said, "Oh my goodness, everybody is playing video games, but how do we interact with this?" you know, new and unfamiliar ecosystem, especially when the, um, when the consumer requires you to enter the space much more authentically than traditional sports. And I always say, you know, if you're 
let's say, if you're a modern uh, brand like Doritos, how do you get into Red Dead Redemption 2, which is an Old West uh, style open world game? You you can't do that organically. And so from my perspective, you know, these groups saw esports and they said, wait a minute, I know this world. I've sponsored this world. You've got all these sponsorable assets, right? You've got teams, jerseys, venues, leagues, content, etc. I'll just do what I did in the NBA and I'll do that in League of Legends or Counter-Strike or what have you and uh, I'll be successful. And then they found out for a number of reasons uh, how to reach the um, how to reach the, the consumer, but also, you know, how the industry can support those brands in a way that deliver a return um, can be challenging. And so um, you made a point about, you know, being a young industry. And I, I think people like yourself, groups like 76 Capital, when they can partner with, you said you're 52 years old, so you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge, right? Much more so than a 25-year-old entrepreneur does who knows everything about the culture and the activities of gaming. And I think when people like 76 Capital can can partner with these young entrepreneurs, collaborate and help bring each other up, then you have the best of both worlds. But I think historically, we've seen some challenges with that where some investors or some brands aren't receiving an ROI and there's been a little bit of a dip or maybe it's it's uh, hurt the reputation of esports, if you will. But I'm with you. I think I'm very optimistic on the future. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I think, look, we we have to all recognize is, and I think a lot, you know, everyone starts is, I believe, starting to forget that we went through this global pandemic, and you know, and then people are like, oh, it was so good for gaming, it was so good. I'm like, actually, it was it was a really tough thing, I think, for the for the overall industry, and one of the reasons why I personally believe it was tough was because I'm of the belief that there there needs to be a you mentioned earlier land parties that's in person right that's in person playing right and i think that the, you know when we were in a situation where everyone had had to play um remotely you lose something you you know you know right. what the what the fans look like we were talking about earlier yeah like should this should have should every you know esports big event be in an arena just like a you know a basketball game Maybe not. Maybe the arena should look different. Maybe things should be completely, completely blown up, and yeah. that should be completely changed. And that experience looks different, right? But at the same time, to be able to actually to compete in a physical location that's meant for that game and for for people to be able to play um, at, at, at that location, it's not. A cafeteria. It's not a, a a an office with a drop ceiling. It's not a you know a, a you know some some school you know you know stage or something like that. It's literally meant for esports. It's meant for competitive gaming. Yeah, it is like the schools. You cannot build a school in the United States without a gym. You shouldn't be able to build a school in the United States without having a proper competitive gaming area well, whatever so. you want to call it that's that should be a requirement that's really well said you know th those are those things where like we talked about a little bit earlier is adopting the relevant things about traditional sports but also recognizing this is not a copy and paste situation there's so much opportunity to innovate to make something new to make it completely different because it requires a new solution or it provides for a new opportunity and so um with the gymnasium thing perfect example of kind of that copy and paste from like hey we do this all the time we should also do this i'm also a big believer in geographically located esports teams personally i think there's a lot of benefits there so i think there's aspects of that that make sense to adopt but to your point what does the arena look like like if you look at the limitations that we have in traditional sports with an arena, you have to be around a court, a field, or a rink. And so you're forced to have that seating. And we have natural kind of defaulted to the rock show model where you've got a big screen, big stage, an audience falling back. You have a completely digital ecosystem here, environment that these players are playing on. Let's get creative. Let's, let's switch this up and let's create something that nobody's ever seen before. That's what I'm arguing. 
Yeah, it was it, it it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, um, and, and what I was this example I was going to tell you. I mean, one of the last Overwatch events in was was put on and produced by the the Nerd Street team um, in Philadelphia. I was there. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and you know you saw that like it was in a theater, but you could actually there were places that you could play. So like when you go to a basketball game, there's no like yeah there's like little places to go shoot hoops like in a, a little tiny like maybe like a a, a you know like a, a a tiny little area to go do that right. But it's not. But to be able to actually play while you're there, I mean, what are those experiences like? What should the experience be when you attend? a big event like that these are the types of things that i think we're we're we haven't gotten there yet we're starting to figure these things out we're trying to to get there and that's where i think that um the the industry um has an opportunity like there's an opportunity to do that but you know there's there's um it's it's an interesting time right now across the the whole industry to sort of figure this figure this all out Um, but we we really believe in that the the experience and the opportunity to connect with other people, make friends, you know, just have that that camaraderie of being together in a in a room in a physical way is is something that uh, really brings together this like the physical world, the digital world, and 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 that's the part that just is so exciting uh, when we think about the the future of gaming. I agree. Um, I'm curious on, you know, we talked about uh, the opportunity to innovate in the arena aspect a little bit. Um, I'm curious your perspective of some other uh, places you see where there's opportunities for innovation and maybe some of those are some of your investments. So I'm, I'm excited to hear a little about who you are investing in, who you're believing in in the space. Sure. I mean, one other place that I would say that I think is, is, is ripe for for this, and it's one of the things that uh, I could talk about. Our, our company Challenger is is doing, which is PlayChallenger.com. Um, what Challenger is doing is they're they're enabling you to have a, a cash competition, so you can com- play against a friend or someone you don't know. Uh, whether that's at, at this point right now, CS:GO with Warzone, with Fortnite, whatever it is, like you can you can play someone else and 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 win money for and and decide how you want to play. Right? I mean, is it do you want to play? a certain amount of money per kill do you want to play certain over for just the full game you know bet someone that you'll win the whole game whatever it is is it a head-to-head game is it a you know as again like Fortnite, it's a whole different you know you know a whole different game so how thinking about those different pieces but then the question is what are some of the biggest gaming places in the world right and when you think of gaming from a general perspective, a lot of that conversation goes to casinos. And I think it's been a complete mess so far. And unfortunately, unfortunate, like most of the stuff that have most of the esports competitions that have been tried and, and played at casinos kind of fallen flat. They are kind of a little bit of a dud. They're not right. all they're not all that they could be. But at the same time, there's really smart people running casinos. There are really smart entrepreneurs that are creating the next next thing in the in the esports competitive gaming world. There's gonna someone's going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't happened yet. It's almost like a call right here, John. Like for for entrepreneurs who are just thinking about this right now, because you know, just going into a casino and pulling a lever on a slot machine or just pressing buttons like. And with, you know, completely brainless type activities, right? there's got to be a way to do this hmm. just by sticking a bunch of computers in an area together and connecting them and putting them next to slot machines and expecting that to work. No, that's not that's not going to work. Right. Or we're having an event in a ballroom all the way out in the middle of nowhere and then expecting the competitors to walk through the casino and play blackjack and roulette (laughs) like no like no that's not that's not how a lot of the 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 competitors of the you know are are wired and it's not what they're that's not what they do to have fun yeah so how do you bring these worlds together how do you start thinking about this because you know as we all get older as we all grow up we are we're the ones the 
you know, the the younger generation of gamers, they're the ones who are going to be, you know, the the casino operators are looking at them as like wanting them for, to be their customers. Right. And if the games that they have on their floor are not things that they like to play, then what should they have there? What should those games be of the future? What is the blackjack of 2023? I think that's I a gr- yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of people who have this um, experience, who have more years in traditional business, traditional industry, when they go to esports, there, there's a tendency to try to just apply what they've done and what they know to the esports industry. Like you're saying, you know, um, oh, if I just you know, put a bunch of uh, PCs or something in my casino, people will play it. Or if I uh, rebrand my game and have, uh, you know, gaming IP on there, um, people will do it. And I, I think a great example is this, is a, a lot of people when they try to start, who come from the traditional sports space and want to throw an event, a lot of times it's people throwing a Madden event or an NBA 2K event. And I love those games. And I think um, they're great competitions. However... Young people don't want to just do what old people do, but digitally. Right. Young people want to do something completely different. And so I would say, go to the community, ask some questions, and then make sure to listen. Because it's not that gamers just want to play digital football. Gamers want to play great games. And a lot of these games are aspirational. So like, I want to kill a dragon. I want to go to a war. I want to, you know do all these things that I can't do in real life, I don't necessarily want to play video game football, right? As At least the majority. So I, I think what you're saying is, rather than this copy and paste approach, is from inside of the community, okay, what do they want? What do they not yet have? And then how can we apply the business and the monetization models that we know to make that successful for everybody? Yeah. I, I agree with you, and and but I think you know, but I would I would just make one point on on what you're saying is that, um, you know, young people don't want to play you know, um, you know, electronic football, right? I think 2K and has has done a nice job of actually creating almost sort of the the general manager, the analytics, the pre-work, all the stuff that sort of behind the scenes within within football, yeah. which yeah. has really been interesting because I think it also translate, translates right into the world of fantasy. And then, you know, as, as, as kids get older, that kind of brings them into the world of, of betting. Um, that's been really fascinating. It also allows the, you know, younger people, we're seeing this. Um, where a, a number of whether it's entrepreneurs or people who work with us at 76 Capital, they really understand the business side of the of, of the sport of let's say football, right? Right. Um, but um, but you, but I understand what you're saying. Not everyone cares about that. Um, right. There are certain there are certain kids, there are certain people that that is exactly what they're into, and they love it. They want to be a GM, and it's a really really good way to learn all the, you know, the analytics and stats and how you do how how that's all sort of done, um, at least almost really all the way that it's done. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a pretty good simulation. But then look, not but that's not for everybody, and and I think that's the point that, that you're making. That's exactly right. Um, well, I'd love to understand some of the things that you are uh, really optimistic on, uh, really bullish on moving forward. Um, you've been in the space for a while. Um, you've evaluated investments, been involved before esports and more traditional industries, coming to esports, done a fantastic job with 76 Capital in this space. What are you seeing moving forward as far as things you're optimistic on or trends that you're looking forward to? You know, we're really excited about the um, the gaming and, and the, the betting side of the world, right? That's an area that we think is a really big opportunity. Um, you know, I think that we're in the you know using a baseball analogy, first or second inning of the of the sports betting world and, and industry today. And what we see today, the apps of today, as an example, that you know, FanDuel or DraftKings or Caesars or MGM. You know, Barstool, any any of those, the, all those apps today are like version 1.0. Hmm. We're kind of like 
when Apple only sold books. Or Apple, I'm sorry. <laughs> Amazon. When, Am- yeah. when Amazon when Amazon only sold books. Like that's what the the apps and the websites look like today. Interesting. But in the future, and where are the entrepreneurs, where are the major companies, these sports betting operators that I just mentioned, and many others, and others that may haven't even set foot in the world of sports betting yet, there's this opportunity to build this next level of engagement, being able to build the, the gamification of, of this, the engagement side of this, where, you know, we're John, we're, you and I are sitting here, you know, doing a, doing the podcast and Amazon knows back at my house that I'm out of toilet paper. Like, <laughs> right. Like, like they know stuff about us, right? Like the sports books eventually will know that I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan, a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan. And that, you know, there may be, you know, yesterday the Phillies signed Trey Turner and we're so excited here in Philadelphia and our, our Eagles have only, you know, with one loss so far across, you know, the, the, the year and they're doing great. But like, does FanDuel, do, does, does DraftKings, does Caesars, does Barstool, do they, how much do they know about how much and how important that is and how passionate I am about that? Mm. How can that, how can that, how can that, that knowledge and information that is out there maybe because I'm tweeting about it or maybe because I put it on LinkedIn or whatever, like, and I'm so excited about, you know, Philadelphia sports that they then are able to make an offer to you. What that offer is, whether that's a direct bet, whether that's um, tickets, whether that's, um, you know, merchandise, who knows? Um, how this will all play out moving forward, but we're getting we're we're going to get there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think there's a number of players that are are there. I know every, every one of them is thinking about this right now, and it can be done. But they're moving. There, they, there's a lot of other things that these sports books need to do to sort of to be able to get to this next level. You know, one of the crazy things we talked about the pandemic earlier. This you know in in the in our conversation and. You know, sports betting was was only legal in one state in the United States in 2018. Right. In May 14th of 2018, one state, that was Nevada. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the Supreme Court overturns PASPA, which was the law that said you could only have that, you know, sports betting in Nevada. And then all of a sudden, all these other states came out of nowhere to be able to have sports betting. And it, start, it started pretty quickly. You know, a couple states started coming in and... Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, they just started, they started coming. But then all of a sudden we got hit with this, with COVID and this right. pandemic. And while that was going on, state after state, they just continued to legalize this in the midst of all, in the midst of all this. And now you're sitting with over 36 states across the United States that have passed laws already to have sports betting. The state of Ohio is going live on New Year's Eve. In 2023, like New Year's Eve, 1201, January 1st, 2023, the state of Ohio is going live. I mean, that's going to be crazy because they have this really interesting, uh, they're they're really enabling people to be involved, not only just on your phone, not only in casinos, but in retail locations tied to the the professional sports teams. It's really going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But again, the apps, the tech, it's early. The infrastructure, the integrity side of the business, the the compliance side of the business, that just the overall just tech is still young. And that's where there's opportunity. And the games that you can play, right, from a from just from a betting perspective, the 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 i casino side of the house which has not been legalized in as many states across the country so right now it's only 5 states that have i casino where you can play blackjack and where you can play slots and things like that on your phones but there is a chance in 2023 that new york legalizes it mm. i casino and if new york legalizes it there's a good chance that many many other states will follow and that will continue. And what that then opens up, and it, you know, and uh, it all kind of comes back to the gaming and esports side of thing. That all opens up. Like, what is that kind of game? What game do you right. want to play? 
you know, why are, you know, is it, is it, is it CSGO? Is it Fortnite? Is it something that no one's ever heard of before? Right. Is it a new, a new type of game, a new type of way for people to, to engage? That's what we're excited about. That's what we're thinking about. And those are the types of things that we, we do a lot of. And, and we think about, we meet with entrepreneurs, we meet with experts who are trying to think about like what's next in, in, in the world of sports and gaming. Yeah. It's really interesting because we see in traditional sports, so many uh, groups now leaning really into the wagering side now that they can. And there's a lot of additional revenue coming into the space from that. But that's in a space where there's already a lot of revenue because you're doing these billion dollar uh, media rights deals, right? And so one major, major difference that we see from traditional sports and esports is the profit side of it. And um, because of the streaming aspect and the fragmentation, the IP challenges, those media rights deals don't work the same in esports as traditional sports. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you're saying is that where this much needed profit and revenue in the esports space could be coming from could be there's this wagering side. I think I think there's it's definitely something that we believe. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we're investors in Challenger. But at the same time, I think we again it's this opportunity to rethink the way we present esports and competitive gaming today on the screen Hmm. there's there there there's a chance there's an opportunity to do it differently there's an opportunity to produce the events even more um more creatively um which potentially could bring in more dollars i think that that's that's something that if i had the answer you know, I, I'd be doing it. I'd be telling our guys at Nerd Street the next, you know, the next, you know, thing that you're. Here's how you produce this in the future. I, I don't think anyone specifically knows yet, but I think there's there's there are opportunities to be creative around this and think about it in a different way. I appreciate which could bring dollars, which could really bring dollars. You know, to, and again, maybe that's the, you know, maybe start to really work even more closely with the the brands and 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 other advertisers that you want to bring to to the to the world and 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 do and do things differently i mean i don't i don't know i mean like you know you just think back there it hasn't been a long time since you know and you really like is is twitch is youtube the answer like we're investors in maestro right and which is a which mm-hmm. is a different you know it's 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 its own platform it's your own platform that that you can um, you could broad use to broadcast, right? Is is that the right platform? Should should all of these, you know, should these teams and leagues and brands and 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 uh, publishers use their own platform and figure out a way to do this? You know, we think that's another. We think that's another way that to and that's what and that's what we're we're doing and trying to do right now and trying to do some really interesting and you know unique and innovative things with what Ari Evans is doing on, on in his in his team at, at Maestro. Yeah. Yeah. I think the content platform play is really interesting. And um, I've actually, I need to talk to you about this afterwards. I've uh, recently got in touch with somebody that's very compelling. You might want to learn a little bit more about. Um, Love that. If I'm an entrepreneur, if I've got a startup um, and I'm looking for investment, what should I, either how should I contact you and or where do I need to be? What do I, so that when I get my chance with you, when you answer my email, um, I've got the best chance of success uh, for an investment. Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to even sh- share this because, again, without the entrepreneurs, without the ideas, we're just venture capitalists. You know, we just have you know some money to invest, right? But we 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 need the the creativity and the and the great minds of entrepreneurs. So I can be pretty much found anywhere. I'm I'm Wayne at seventy six Capital. I'm Wayne Kimmel all over the internet on all different social media networks. Uh, pretty easy to find. You know, seventy six Capital.com is our website. Uh, reach out via our website. You know, contact me directly. Talk. You know, reach out to any of our team members. 
Uh, but when you, you know, when you reach out, look, we, we of course we want to, we'd love to see your business plan. We want to be able to see, you know, your thoughts. We want to see why what you're doing is is truly the next next thing. That you truly believe that you can build a company from where it is today to be a billion dollar business, to be something that truly changes the world, changes the way people do things. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for really, really big ideas, big thinkers, people that are are, are looking to take on really big challenges and, and and just go make it happen. I mean, that that's what we're all about. And uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a scary thing to be an entrepreneur. It's tough to be an entrepreneur uh, because as as we've talked about earlier, I mean. Many times when you do something, a lot of people, and you're doing something that's new and innovative, a lot of people don't know what you're doing. They don't understand what you're doing. Your mom may tell you you're crazy. <laughs> your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you know, your uncle, like, is like, yo, man, get a job. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> like, but you're like, no, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do something that everyone, you know, or a good part of the overall population of the global population out there is going to want to do what I'm making, you know, you know, and do what I'm doing or use what I'm making. That's what we're always looking for. Man, that is a great uh, description. And I want to thank you, Wayne, for joining me today. Um, and then also, you know, what you and your team have provided to the esports space. You know, I think there's a number of entrepreneurs that would still be struggling and still be grinding or not have gotten that chance if it wasn't for 76 foot capital in that investment. And thank you so much for sharing the insights today. You know, I learned a lot um, and it's really, it's really wonderful to be able to share um, your perspective as an investor in this space. Well, John, thanks for having me. Um, and and we're and I'm very lucky. I have a great team at 76 Capital. You know, I have a, you know whether it's my partner Chad, whether it's my partner Dan Bravado on our 76, you know, Capital Sports Advisory Team. Um, you know, he and Chris Yortzos and the rest of those guys. I mean, they. Re I mean, you should have those guys on the show. Those guys really know the world of esports. They've done some amazing things. They have awesome clients that they're working with um, on the on the on that side of our business as well. And I just, I'm just, I feel so lucky to have such great partners and, and good people around. And we just want to continue to expand that invest in more entrepreneurs, work with amazing companies, and have great people around us here at 76 Capital. I appreciate that. I'm going to shoot Dan a text and, and give him an invite to join me on a, on a, on a future episode. Um, but Wayne, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. It's been a great episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.